0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقدته من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا انك انت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم انور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابدانا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهدا انك على كل شيء قدير امين يا رب العالمين respected listeners dear brothers and sisters dear students assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa we thank almighty Allah most gracious most merciful who has allowed us to come here despite our weakness despite our uh, spiritual weaknesses and physical weaknesses it has granted all of us the ability to gather here tonight uh, in the tafsir of Suratul Al-Kahf in the last se- uh, session of the story of Musa in Khadr alaihimus-salatu and. We ask Allah the way He brought us here, out of His kindness and grace upon all of us, that He grant all of us the ability to practice on whatever is is being shared, has been shared, will be shared. Allows the speaker and the listeners to put into practice whatever good is being shared. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to use every one of us and our loved ones uh, for the spreading of the deen, for the spreading of, of the gems of the Qur'an amongst others as well. And we renew our niyyah that we're here to benefit ourselves primarily. Number one, each one of us should say that and remind himself or herself that he is most in need of the hidayah and the guidance of the Qur'an. And, and inshallah, when we make that niyyah, we add to that that Ya Allah, allow me to find the solutions to all my problems in the Qur'an. Allow me to find the answers to my questions in the Qur'an. And in, specifically in this dars that I'm attending, Whatever situation I am in at the moment, Ya Allah through your grace and fadl, allow me to see and hear that which I most need, I'm most in need of. Amin rabbal alameen. So I thought, you know, um, the last few you have about maybe three or maximum, uh, you know, four durus left for Suratul Al-Kahf. Problem. And um, we've been encouraging everyone to, uh, you know, make an effort to memorize Suratul Al-Kahf. Alhamdulillah, some of us are, inshallah. And we've also, uh, you know, uh, encouraged everyone to make a habit of reciting Surah Al-Kahf. If not the entire Surah daily, then at least the first 10 and the last 10 verses of it daily. And then the entire Surah at least on Friday. So I thought what a great way, you know, to put this, um, uh, you know, into practice than doing it together here. So I'm going to, inshaAllah, recite out loud. And I ask you all to follow along. We'll do the first 10 and the last 10 verses. And as we said that this is one of the greatest... Uh, gifts that Allah has given us to protect us from the fitna of Dajjal. And it's not about the actual Dajjal, it's about the fitnah that comes prior to that, in preparation for Dajjal, all the confusion that is coming all about right now. Uh, inshallah, by reciting this with conviction every week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us the mm, strength and the nur of iman to be able to distinguish right from wrong. فلعلك باخع نفسك على آثارهم إن لم, يؤمنوا إن لم يؤمنوا بهذا الحديث أسفا إنا جعلنا ما على الأرض زينة لها لنبلوهم أيهم أحسن عملا وإنا لَجَاعِلُونَ ما عليها صعيدا جرزا الذين ضل سعيهم في الحياه الدنيا وهم يحسبون وهم يحسبون انهم يحسنون صنعا اولئك الذين كفروا بايات ربهم ولقائه فحبطت فحبطت اعمالهم فلا نقيم لهم يوم القيامه وزنا ذَلِكَ جَزَاؤُهُمْ جَهَنَّمُ بِمَا كَفَرُوا وَاتَّخَذُوا آيَاتِي وَرُسُلِي هُزُوا إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ كَانَتْ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتُ الْفِرْدَوْسِ نُزُلاً salihan yushrik bi'ibadati rabbihi ahada so alhamdulillah with that just look at that took us uh, 4 minutes to recite so, you know so in a in a slow um, uh, uh, pace so inshallah you shouldn't take more than that every single day if we if we recite it uh, we will see the great benefits immediately in our lives and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tawfiq for myself and all of us here and our loved ones to be able to be from amongst those who recite this daily, Amin. alameen so last week we ended on the separation part right that's what we said we said now it's time to break our majlis and we'll meet you next week and the ayah, this is where uh, Khadr told um, you know uh, Musa that it's time for, for us to part ways, it's time for us to part ways because it seems like you couldn't um, follow the rules that I had placed at the beginning. So, let's uh, part ways. However, I'm not going to let you go uh, just like that. I will um, share with you, I will share with you uh, what are the uh, interpretations and the explanations of why I did what I did. And this is an important point right here is that, you know, we, we may not always get along with one another. And that doesn't mean that one party has to be bad. You could be both great, be it a spou- two spouses, husband and wife, be it two business partners, be it a student and a teacher. But there's something called just not being the right fit for one another. And being a not right fit for one another does not mean and does not necessitate that one of them has to be evil. And sometimes people don't understand this point right here. When you, when you have a, uh, you know, a husband and wife coming together for, for arbitration, for counseling and whatnot, and you start off with trying to say, mashallah, you know what? There's great qualities in you and the great qualities in the other person. Immediately, one will have to stand up and say, no, no, no. You're getting this all wrong. There's nothing good in the other person. The fact that the other person, if we even uh, just highlight the goodness in them, sometimes the anger doesn't allow us to recognize that. And a person thinks that you... Simply highlighting the goodness in my partner means you're not understanding me. You don't hear me. You're deaf and dumb. You haven't heard what I just said. All these complaints. So, th- those complaints are in their own place. But we have to also acknowledge there's goodness in everyone. And it just because it's not a match, you know, you have a, a certain type of a plug that doesn't fit into the uh, outlet, wall. It's fine. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with the outlet, and it doesn't mean something wrong with the plug. There's just not fit for one another. You got to go find another plug, or you got to find an adapter. So here you go. This is the husband and wife, or for any other relationship. What we learn from here is that if we have to part ways, there's something called you know parting in in a nice manner. Just saying that things haven't worked out, and this is what our dean teaches us, including the very painful separation between a spouse and their. You know, husband or wife, is that Allah Azza wa says Tasrihum bi that talaqum maratan, Allah speaks about Allah speaks about the talaq and things in, in in much detail in Surah Al Baqarah. Then Allah Azza wa says tassrihum bi that if you choose to part ways, then do it in a nice manner. Do it in a nice manner. Decide to part ways, you know, hoping best for one another. Uh, Allah Azul uh, says in Yurida Islahan, you If both parties, be it husband, wife, or be it anyone else, if they genuinely want goodness for one another, they want rectification, they want khaib, they want things to work out, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring tawfiq, Allah will bring them together. Tawfiq is an interesting word. Tawfiq is a word you and I use regularly, means things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspiring you to be able to achieve things. Right? That's what tawfiq means. But tawfiq wifq muafaqah also means to get along. So when you have tawfiq, it's basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting the pieces of the puzzle together for something to happen. And uh, you wonder, like, okay, this puzzle, what how is it gonna come out? Once you put the missing piece, a few missing pieces, like, oh, this is how this 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 puzzle looks like now, once it's made. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once to facilitate for any one of us something good, He will put the pavers in front of us. Right? You have to cross over. It's a big area of, of dirt or sand or, or snow. Or what How am I supposed to get there? Allah wants me to get there. How am I supposed to get there? Tawfiq is that Allah Azza wa will put pavers for you, will pave a road for you or small you know, stepping stones, one after another. Every time you take a step. Now what? Just relax. The next one's coming. And then you take out the now what? The next one's coming. And before you know it, you're on the other end. But many times, this, these steps are not made for you from the beginning. They, they come about after you take the first step. So you have to have this reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and that's why one of the ulama he used to say uh, that, you know, that the, when it comes to our risk, he would say that the, the qalb, the heart is content and relaxed while the hands are working that's what it means the balance between and working for your risk that you're working super hard and tiring yourself but not for a moment does it come to your heart and your mind that oh my god I'm in big trouble what's gonna happen where's my food what happened if I this my job what happens I said nothing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took responsibility of me when I was in, my, in the womb of the mother. <inaudible> layers upon layers of darkness. Three layers of thalas rather. Three layers of darkness. Allah provided. And that Allah that provided then, that will provide an akhirah, is gonna provide for me now too. That doesn't mean I sit back and relax, but it just means that the heart should be at peace. So we see here, Tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when, when they want to get along with one another, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring tawfiq, will happen. But yurida islahan, what does that mean? They both have to. So if one party wants to and the other doesn't, then I'm sorry, it's not gonna work. You need both parties' desires to make it work. Then in that case, things will happen. And uh, going back to the, what I just mentioned, in order for us to be able to have healthy relationships, we must be able to see... The good in others, no matter how difficult times may come upon us. As soon as we start seeing only evil in another person, then you should know you're now drunk with hatred. And until you don't let that wear off, you're not going to get anywhere with that. It's an intoxication of hatred, intoxication of, uh, of, of misunderstandings that doesn't allow. It is not possible, not possible that you can say your spouse or your business partner has no good in them. Impossible. If he was like that, Allah would never give him La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And they have much more than La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Who are the people you hang out with? They pray, they recite Quran, they do dhikr, they fast. How can we say they're only filled with evil? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Even the worst tyrants out there, right? Who do the most craziest things. But if they have La ilaha illallah in their heart, there's got to be some good in them. There really is. We have to be able to recognize that in people. If we can recognize this good within people, our life will become subhanAllah beautiful. We'll always be focusing on that good, and we will see how we can we make you know make things work out at the same time there are times when we have to accept the reality that it may not work the Prophet said souls are like a huge army that's been piled together in the realm of souls some of them got along over there and some of them didn't get along so the ones that got along in the realm of souls before we came here they're the same ones who look at each other and say hey, it's like love at first sight subhanAllah, so, it's like I've known you for 20 years, right? anyone? seems like your soul met a lot of souls, huh? you're moving around over there right so you, whoever you see, mashallah, you, 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 you see like this person I get along with them and then there are others who might have been a little bit um, in the corner in Alam arwah they kinda stay to themselves because they don't seem to get along with anyone, right? so when they come here they don't necessarily Uh, feel you know a a connection with anyone that's okay if you don't give feel connection with someone that doesn't mean we need to hate them dislike them and it seems say salam to everyone be smile to everyone be kind with everyone your strong relationship yes can be with a few right long time ago what is the advice he's giving he says hold on to a righteous pious friend Hold on, if you find a friend who can be pious, or a pious man who can be your friend, hold on to him, grab him, and rarely will you ever find one like him. He's saying this 1,500 years ago, that it's very hard to find a righteous person who's also wanting to be or willing to be your friend, or your your worlds cross one another's paths and you guys become friends. If you find someone who is righteous and pious and good, mashaAllah, Many times I remind you and I, that we're sitting here tonight because of our friends. 30 years ago that friend came into our life, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, or today. We're here because of a friend. Remember that. And so, uh, that is key thing. That finding good company is the most important thing. Once you find that person, then don't let him go. Besides that, other people, we say, Salam, and move on. So subhanAllah, this is what Khadr wanted, and he's teaching us. That I'm, you know, just because we're going to part ways, that doesn't mean we're going to part on a bad note. I'm going to explain to you what's going to happen. What is that? What, what do I want you to understand? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He did not, um, you know, mislead you by sending you to me. What did I get from here? What did I get from here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent me for such a long journey. I came here and now I see this guy doing three things which made no sense to me, seemed all haram to me where what am i what am i getting out of this no allah has a plan i want you to know allah has a plan subhanallah something really beautiful that if you you know allah brings you to the masjid allah brings you to the ash-sharifain, allah takes you to the madrasa allah takes you to a khanqa a zawiya a, a place of a sheikh a person should should never think that subhanallah what's yeah what, what a waste of time you don't realize It might just be one smallest thing, not the talk, not the salah. You never know. One small instance, one small meeting there, one thing your eyes fall upon, or someone looks at you, life changes. And this is something we have to have hope in. I I came across a beautiful statement today. It's very deep, Um, but someone shared it, and I thought, uh, you know, let's see. Muhammad Aliya is writing a response to someone who shared some issues with him. I'm not sure what the whole question was, but someone shared the answer with me, and he said, "I'm going to read in Urdu and then I'll translate to the best of my ability." He said, "Buzurgon ke irshad mein ajaibe kudrat muzmar hote hain. Buzurgon ke irshad mein ajaibe kudrat muzmar hote hain. Aap harjis inkar na tamile irshad ki mahz niyat kare, hukum ka adab wa wakat farmate huye apne apko uh, ahl yakin kare. Dusdur yuhi hai." He says that when you look at the statements of the awliya and the elders, you read statements, like I'm going to share, and I do share in the tafsir, you know, a tabi'i statement, or a tabii statement, or a sahabi statement, or one of, like this statement right here. These are the, of our mashayikh, of our elders, of our righteous, pious predecessors, and some who are still around, alhamdulillah. He says in their statements, there is unique aspects of Allah's qudra hidden inside there. There's unique aspects of Allah's power, Allah's Qudra, Allah's immense overwhelming power is hidden inside there. You don't know what type of medicine is hidden inside those statements. Do not deny the benefit of these statements. Do not not deny the effectiveness of of this medication. Instead, simply make niyyah that you're going to follow this piece of advice. Simply make niyyah what? That you're going to follow this piece of advice and respect the statement, respect this. So your elder, your mother, father, grandfather, your sheikh, or whoever, says something, well, this doesn't make sense to me. Instead, have this hope and this yaqeen, that if this person is a true wali and a salih, there's got to be some wisdom in it which I don't understand now. My simple, let me just make niyah that I'm going to follow through. And those of us who have done this before know exactly what I'm speaking about. That sometimes our mothers and fathers will tell us things which we really don't understand the benefit of it because of our immaturity or because of us going through a situation. But over time we realize, subhanallah, there was so much hikmah and wisdom in that. So Musa a.s. Allah is telling Khidr to tell him everything. He shouldn't think that this was a waste. Instead, this was the learning experience that he needed. You understand what I'm saying? This was the learning experience. What did you learn from here? You learned that you don't know everything. That's all. That's all we want. If you say, you came, to, you came to a dars and you say, I went to a dars of a sheikh, everybody went above my head. I didn't understand anything. What a waste of my time. Actually, if this person was arrogant or who had no respect for Islamic sciences, he gained something huge. Today he realized he doesn't know everything. Today he realized that he should respect uh, scholars of, of Islam. He should realize that just because he has XYZ degree in some field, does not mean he has a right to give a fatwa on every single Islamic field. So that is a huge achievement. We walk away with our ego broken. We walk away humbled. What else, what is the greatest thing? That is, you cannot enter the classroom with an ego. The ego must be broken. It's like shoes. You don't sit and come into the classroom with boots and with snow on it. You have to take it out before you come in. Ego is something you must leave outside the classroom if you want to gain anything from the teacher. All right? Arrogance is something you must leave outside before you enter. So if subhanAllah, if a person comes to a dars, and sometimes it may happen to you, it goes over your head understand that this is my ego breaker this is what this is and inshallah I'll benefit from something else but this is a huge achievement right now that I've broken my ego through the attendance of that subhanallah so then allah Khadr says that you know uh, let, yeah, let me explain to uh, let me explain to these things what, what what is the reality of it okay notice here alayhi uh, sabra notice there is a ta and a ta okay استطاع استطاع means capable. You're not capable of remaining patient. We're going to go through a few verses, and then the same word is going to come, and it's, it's going to have one letter less. The, you know, and the wisdom of that I will share with you then. So he explains, as for the ship, bahr. As for the ship, it belonged to indigent people working at sea. an thus I intended only to slightly impair it. For I knew that behind them was a disbelieving king seizing every seaworthy ship by force. Okay, so this is—we already talked about this last week, but we can do specific words. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says here in the Quran, the ship belonged to masakin. So, what do we learn from here? The ulama talk about the difference between a fakir and a miskeen. A fakir is someone who has absolutely nothing. Man He has nothing. Miskeen is someone who has something, but it's not sufficient for him. Because they are called masakeen, yet they own what? A ship. They own a ship. So that means you can be a miskeen while owning something. It's just, you know, the difference between these words. So, uh, uh, then he says that these masakeen, they were working at sea. And wara in front of them. Now the word wara, so for the students of the Quran, all of us inshaAllah, waraq comes in many meanings in the Quran. It comes, wara, many of you may be thinking, well, Wait, wara means behind. Waraq, behind you, behind you. Yes, wara comes in the meaning of behind. Waraq comes in the meaning of front. Waraq comes in the meaning of afterwards. And wara also comes in the meaning of ghair. Something beyond, something different. Uh wa hilalakum ma wara adalikum. Everything beyond that has been halal. Right? Besides that has been made halal. Um, they threw it behind their backs. Okay. Whoever wants something besides that, all right. And then you have, of course, in this case here, wara coming in front, which means uh, that the king is in front, seizing any ship that is good for his use. So I decided to make a small uh, dent in it, remove one plank from it. These these people are sailors; they know how to fix it themselves. They can easily fix it. It's better to have a a damaged ship than having no ship. So you tell me, is this good or bad? Oh, Musa, think about it. You're upset that I'm causing damage to someone's property, that they have done ihsan upon me. They've been good to me. and Shouldn't we treat kindness with kindness? They gave me a free ride, and here you see me breaking the ship. You're upset about it. But in reality, who's doing the real Ihsan here? Did they do Ihsan to me or did I do Ihsan to them? SubhanAllah. That's something what sometimes children don't understand with their parents. The parents sometimes may be harsh with them in something, in one issue. And the person says, wait, where's the Ihsan? Where's the kindness? Doesn't realize that this kindness uh, is, uh, this is actually kindness. It's like the kindness of a physician and the doctor who gives an injection or who performs a surgery, which is very painful. But he is doing Ihsan towards you by addressing the issue you have. So not every Ihsan comes in the form of sweet candies. Right? Instead, Ihsan comes sometimes in the form of painful things as well. But we have to understand that. So here, Musa is being taught, and all of us are being taught through him, that do not jump to a conclusion. Sometimes even apparent harm is actually of great benefit. Ghasbah. Ghasba means by force. So there's a few uh, ways that we can... There's a few words in Arabic language. One is Sariqa, one is ghasab, one is khataf, and one is ikhtilas Just to give you the depth of the language and you understand how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Arabic to be uh, the language of the Qur'an because of the depth in it. Sariqah, akhthul mali min hirzihi khufyatan. To take someone else's wealth from a protected place. So if it's in a locked door, in a locked bank, in a locked place, you go break it and you take it, that's called sariqah. Alright, that's called stealing. Then you have ghasb, which is akhthul mali, al ghayri bil quwwah It's to take something force, forcefully from someone else, wa wa basari, while he's still present watching and seeing. In sariqah, he's not aware of it. You broke something and took it from inside. Ghasb, it's broad daylight maybe. He's watching, he can hear you. And he can see you and he's saying, come on, don't uh, you know uh, what you call daylight robbery, basically, right? You're doing ghasab of someone's shirt, you're taking over his land, etc. So that's called ghassb, and that's what he was doing over here. The person is sitting on a ship, he said, get out, get out. This is called ghassb. You're usurping his his ship while he's still there. Khatf is Akhdul malil Ghairi, Haqada alaniatan. Wallaqan bihilatim ma'. He said, khatf is like when you pickpocket someone to take someone else's wealth, although openly. In, in public, but without people knowing it. So you're doing it in a very sly, quick manner, usually like pickpocketers do. And lastly is ikhtilas. Is, is to take someone else's wealth while that person actually entrusted you. He, he actually gave you the keys. He's like, you know, to, you just keep this with you while I'm going. And subhanAllah, this person ended up actually, um, uh, you know, going in quietly, going stealing uh, from the, from the uh, safe box. Right, so that that is these interesting different words that deliver a different meaning. So here is the word "ghasb" has been used, which is uh, forcefully taking it in broad daylight from these masakin. Uh, Wa Allah then says, "And as for the uh, child who got killed, right, what happened? Fakan abawahu his parents were true believers. And based on revealed knowledge, which you all don't know, because you don't have wahi on this issue, Khashina, We feared أن يرهقهما, that he would oppress them. irhaq Oppress. Who would oppress? The child would oppress the parents. wa kufra With aggression and disbelief. And unbelief. aradna Thus we desired that their Lord يُبْدِلَهُمَا thus we desire that their Lord should grant them instead another son far better than him in the purity of his heart and closer to them in loving mercy so here we have a ghulam. A ghulam is referring to a child that has not yet reached the age of maturity meaning uh, nothing is followed upon him he's innocent so as long as he's innocent right and he hasn't committed any sins, obviously, because there's no such thing as sin. His book of deeds is still closed because he hasn't, he hasn't reached the age of maturity yet. What happens? If he dies, he's gonna definitely go where? It's a paradise. So, in, in essence, in the long run, Allah's knowledge was that this this child is gonna become a disbeliever. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to take his life early out of love for that child, because it would be better for this child to die young and go to paradise than grow up and, due to the influences around him, end up becoming a disbeliever. And this is, reminds us of the hadith of the Prophet. ﷺ. He says, Every child is born with the innate nature of Islam. It is his parents who make him into a Jew, or make him into a Christian, or make him into a fire worshiper. But otherwise, that every child is born with the fitrah of Islam. So, this was definitely good for him, that he passed away at a young age. As for the parents, they were good, pious Muslims. But this child was going to become a big fitna, a test for them. And because he was going to become a disbeliever, and th- these parents loved this child. And out of the love of this child, these parents may have ended up losing their own deen losing their own religion because of trying to appease this kid appease this child or trying to you know make him stay at home or just whatever you know try to take care of his needs and he say no I'm not gonna allow you to do this I'm not gonna allow you to do that and they may ha- he may have actually ended up forcing them to leave Islam this reminds us of the verse of the Quran Ya'yuha amanu O believers inna min azwajikum aduwa indeed some of your spouses and your children aduwan are your enemies فَحْذَرُوهُمْ So, beware of them. The verse is very clear. Ayah 14 of Surah Taghabun. That sometimes the greatest test comes to us from the closest amongst us. Closest to us. And it could be in the form of a husband, a wife, a child. What most of us don't realize. As long as you realize that you're fine. That this child is a disbeliever or disconnected from Islam. Or this spouse of mine doesn't care about Allah. Understand that. Now, you doesn't mean you don't fulfill the rights of that child, or you don't fulfill the rights of your son or daughter, who's now become uh, you know, an adult, or that you don't fulfill the rights of your spouse. It's simply understanding that in the process of fulfilling the needs, desires of my spouse or my children, I need to ensure I don't lose my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, he's drowning and he's taking me with. It's like a person does not swim and going into a, a tide, You know and it's trying to save someone else who's drowning. It's not gonna work. He's gonna take you down He doesn't realize he's taking you down So that's our example that we need to understand that if we have a spouse or a child that's not in the deen As long as we understand that this is an imtihan from Allah and I need to fulfill the rights But not ruin my hereafter out of my love for them. This is the issue my friends very serious issue that we need to highlight That how many of us, subhanAllah, are ruining our akhirah due to someone else. And Rasulullah said, the the worst loser, from the gist of the hadith, that the greatest fool is the one who ruins his akhirah because of someone else's dunya. (laughs) Right? You ruin your akhirah to please someone else's dunya. That's like the greatest fool. Why why'd you do that? If you ruined your akhirah because of your own dunya, okay, that's bad too. But you're ruining your akhirah to please someone else's dunya. That's the worst thing. Because we all have our own grave. As much as we love one another, all of us are going to go into our own grave separately. And we're going to get raised up separately. Why should we ruin our chances of paradise to please our spouse? There is no obedience to the Creator or to the creation if it entails the obedience, disobedience to the Creator. There is no obedience to the creation if it entails disobedience to the Creator. We cannot disobey Allah just to obey people. <laughs> wrote a letter to Aisha <laughs> Oh Aisha please give me some advice or la tuksir aliyah you know don't make it long be short and sweet and give me some advice so she tells him that uh, whoever uh, you know the gist of what she said is that whoever search, searches for Allah Subh'anaHu taala's pleasure in order to... Yani whoever searches for Allah Allah's pleasure, although it may entail people becoming angry, then he will get both. He will get Allah Allah's happiness, and he will get the people's happiness. And whoever goes out to search and seek out the people's happiness, even though it entails Allah's anger, he will lose both. This is the gist of what she said, right? That if it is, it is, it makes no sense for us to please people while in displeasing Allah, because you will lose the people eventually, right? One hundred percent, you will. They will always turn against you. One hundred percent. If they don't turn against you here, one hundred percent, they will turn against us in Akhirah. That's what the Quran says. min A man will run away from his brother. Wa ummi wa abi will run away from his mother and his father. Wa sahibati wa bani will run away from his wife and his children. Li minhum Every person will be overwhelmed with their own affairs. They will have no time to look at each other. أَلَخِلَّاءُ يَوْمَئِذِمْ adu. Allah says, friends, Khalil means friend, right? Not just buddies, really close friends. Allah says, friends will be enemies to one another on the day of judgment. Each friend will hate the other guy. You're the one who took me to the hookah lounge. You're the one who got me onto this drug. You're the one who, got, who took me out to drinking. You took me out to this, uh, you told me to start investing in this haram investment. You introduced this haram to me. Because we used to do it as friends. That's what, what, what is the world? All that adolescents ask them. What do they do? What do their friends do? Friends introduce friends to sins. Well, how long is this going to last? As soon as they get to the Day of Judgment, they'll realize that they got into this pit because of their friend. And that's when they will hate each other so much. إِلَّا الْمُتَّقِينَ Except for those who have taqwa. Those who have taqwa, then their friendships were based on good reasons. And so of course, they will enjoy their friendship in the hereafter as well. Those who remind each other to do good, uh, those who are pushing each other towards good. Alhamdulillah, they'll enjoy this friendship in the akhirah as well. But the other friendships will all fall apart. So here we have, subhanAllah, this um, uh, in- incident here is where Aisha um, uh, anha uh, um, uh, uh, um, is giving advice to Muawarithullah'an that keep the, keep, keep, make sure you keep the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala up front. So this child was now going to become a fitnah. So, this is why we have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time, وَأَصْلِحْ Allah, فِي ذُرِّيَّةِ Oh Allah, take care of my children. And allow them to be righteous. And رَبَّنَا هَبْ min مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّةِنَا قُرَّةَ Oh Allah, allow me to enjoy the coolness of my eyes. Meaning, happiness of, of, of my heart. And peace through my spouse and my children. Because children itself is not a blessing. It could be a massive, massive test. Massive test. You know, my brothers, let me put it in very real terms. One person, I I met him, you know, recently out in another state. We were just talking about the condition of the youth and kids and whatnot. And subhanAllah, in Arabic, he says something beautiful. He said, He says, We are enjoying life like we never had before. We came from places where we had nothing. And Allah gave us so much in this country in this past 30, 40 years. Almost all of us can share the same experience. From where we were born to where we are now. It's the immigrants. Such an amazing change. Where our parents were born to, what the type of lifestyle we have. What the, way, you know, the way their childhood was and the way our children's childhood is. Completely different. So he said, we're enjoying this life. But you know always, when you just go enjoy things, you have, the bill comes, isn't it? You go eat 10 things in a restaurant. You go fill up your cart. You have to pay the bill. You have to pay tax on it. So he said, we're going to pay the tax and the bill in the form of our children. That really sums it all up. You know, that we're going to f- pay the taxes in the form of our children. We're going to lose our kids. This is going to be the price we have, we have unfortunately signed up for. For most people, reality, that's what it is, most people. So now you ask a person, why are you living in this neighborhood? Why do you have this type of job? Why are these your hours? Why are you working so much? Why did you do this? And he will say, for the love of my kids. I remember I was in India, and there was a very, very wealthy person, subhanAllah. Very righteous, pious, down to earth, extremely humble, but extremely wealthy too. So he was sitting with me and he was you know uh, spending time I was out in the path of Allah he was so humble he came sat with us and this and that he he was just telling me literally matter of fact as a matter of fact he said I have so many trucks carrying goods I literally have no idea if I were to lose even five ten I don't even know I have no hisab of how much money I have how many trucks I got which one loses? Which one goes? He said. Sometimes I get a call from one of my accountants. Oh, we lost two trucks, you know. Then I said, Oh, we're no problem. We'll make dua. And then, alhamdulillah, by the night, next day, he say, Oh, they were found. You know. So he was just, just saying that it's just how much barakah Allah has given him. Simple, simple person. He had a simple, you know, old uh, non, you know, it's a flip, not even a flip phone, a simple phone like that. So then he told me, uh, I want you to come and make dua at my new house that we're building. And I said, Where is that? And and I could see it from the distance from the masjid. Subhanallah. When we walked by, it was not a house. It was a castle. You know, it was, it was acres long, huge. And he's like, we'd love for you to come and recite Quran and do dua. And I said, you're like 65, seven years. Who are you building this for? He said, for my kids. Now, obviously, his kids also came to spend time with us. His kids were very different from the dad. Very different because they grew up in that type of wealth and whatnot. Very different from the parents and uh, desire to come to this country and enjoy life and stuff. But dad was not like that. Been there, done that. You know, super simple person. And literally, this was, I'm a kid compared to this elderly businessman, you know. And I told him, you know, subhanAllah, I just don't understand what you're doing. You don't realize that the, this ni'mah that you have is in the simplicity that you have. And you're going to lose everything. Once you move into that thing, and your kids are going to go there, it's going to be, you're like, you're literally oppressing your grandkids. You think, you think your, children are gonna be, your grandchildren are going to be the way your kids are? They're, your kids are not going to even remain like this once you move into that place. Because it's just way too much, way too much. Their whole lifestyle will change. The people, they're going to come hang out with me at 11 p.m. in a masjid. I don't think so. Their kids are going to come uh, you know, after 10 years to the masjid? No. Where is he? Because that type of house is not even built by the masjid. You've got to go somewhere out, far. Why are all these type of decisions made by parents? Right? In, 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 in what they call upgrading. And living this type of lifestyle. Going to this place. Most people I know are very simple. They do it all because they're kids. But what they don't realize is this is the most counterintuitive, counterproductive thing you're doing. When we make decisions, keep them. when we move away from the masjid, or we get, we get into a, 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 a place that is surrounded by non-Muslims. No good Muslim neighborhood. Or you, the local masjid is 15 minutes away. Seriously, man. Like, come on, let's be honest. Are we raising kids who are going to sit in the car and drive 15 minutes through, through the snow to get to the masjid? How many of us have children like that? Right? How many of us are raising daughters and sons who are going to drive for their children's Quran class or for their own tafsir 15-20 minutes through the snow? Because why? You know, we wanted to find a bigger place that's not near the masjid. Simple things like this. People make decisions mostly because of their kids, not because of themselves. They're very simple people. They grew up, six brothers and sisters sleeping in one little bedroom, right? Twelve people sharing one bathroom. That's how. They they couldn't even afford a rickshaw. That's how they grew up. So it's not like all of a sudden they're made out of a different background. It's because of the love of the children to do this. And this is where we're speaking about bad decisions. It's not just, that I'm just giving certain examples. You can, you can expand this to all over. What type of college are we are going to send them to? Why that place that has got no strong Muslim community? Why so far away from home where we, don't have, we can't keep tabs on them on, every single, on a regular basis, weekly basis? You see what I'm saying? All those mistakes that parents have made in this country in the past three, four decades and more, they're paying the price for it now. And more mistakes we continue to do, and if we don't wake up, the price is going to be greater. So they, uh, this is something I'm going to speak about a little bit later too in the next ayah, but it's something I, I, you know that we understand from this ayah: that children are the fit enough for the parents is what I'm all I'm trying to get at. A guy, a simple guy, he throws a two three hundred thousand dollar wedding. So what? We how'd you do this, man? You know me. I, yeah, I know you. Why are you doing this? Oh, pick my daughter. I love my daughter. Or oh, she said she wanted it. I love my son. He said he wanted it. There you go. And with and obviously with that money means a lot of other haram stuff going on. For example, why is that all happening out of the love for kids? My dear brothers and sisters, if we cannot make our children have Jannah, okay, which we should try to, at least try yourself to have Jannah for yourself. Don't allow the love of your kids to make such foolish decisions that you will, you know, because, you know, it's, Allah is watching where the money trail is coming from. Allah, Allah of course, knows everything. He knows, he knows everything. This, this type of kufr, that's why Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, when he was told to leave money behind for your kids, he was a khalifa, he said, no, I'm not. Yeah, Omar yeah, ibn Aziz was told, why not? Because this is not my money, this is the money of the Baytul maal. My Baytul Mal didn't tell me you can have a pension fund and a children's college fund, but this is the money of the Muslims. If they go earn and go have their own money, that I have no problem with that. If I was going earning, selling bread and selling things, I had no problem with that. I can, you know, save up, invest and give it to them. But this is not my money. This is coming from where? The Baytul Mal. This is the Muslims money. I cannot give to my children, all of these thousands, and give say, oh, before I die, take this and this. He said, I give them something better than that. I taught them Surah Al-Waqiyah. And I taught them how to take from Allah's treasures. If they, I'm confident that after I die, I've given them enough A'mal and good deeds and Surah al and those A'mal that they can fend for themselves. And if they choose not to, then I would, rather not them, I would rather not leave my money to them because they will use this money to commit haram, which I'll have to pay the price for. Did you hear what I said? He says, if they're not gonna follow the deen, if they're not gonna follow the deen, if they're not gonna use the Qur'an and a'mal, and dhikr and dua to get their needs fulfilled, and instead they fall into haram, then I want nothing to do with them. I don't want my money to be used for haram, which I have to be paying the price for in the grave in Jahannam. So I'd rather just keep them as is. What is the, what is the amazing thinking here? That as we leave money for our generations, we must along with that leave a manual. If we didn't leave the manual of how to use it in the right manner, you'd rather not leave the money. Imagine you leave a gun without training. Huh? You say, I love you, here's a gun without a license, without training, here, take it. What's gonna happen? He goes out trying that thing then kill himself. So leaving behind wealth, education, homes, without the proper spiritual training, how to handle this double-edged sword, is like the worst thing we could be doing, not only to them, but to ourselves. This is very deep what I'm saying. And very rarely do we ever think about something like this, and very rarely does anyone speak about this. We're talking about in this generation, they say it's going to be the largest, what? What's going to happen? Transfer of wealth. The largest transfer of wealth is going to happen now that's ever been happened in history. The largest transfer of wealth. That's it, just amwal, Crypto and stocks and this and that. But what about the ilm and the tarbiyah and the tazkiyah? Is there any transfer of that? Any transfer of monosulun mullah, our teacher, he says, he says, many times parents say, oh, I wish my dear son, my dear daughter, I want to give you, uh, I want to give you a childhood that I I didn't have. I want to give you those things which we couldn't afford when we were little kids. I want to give you something which I was, you know, not blessed enough to have. Isn't that what we say? Then he says, how about you start giving them things that you were blessed to have? Which was starting off a day with Yasin. Starting off the day with going for salatul fajr in the masjid starting off the day with people waking up early, ending the day with everyone eating together, ending the day with du'as, ending, uh, beginning your day with reading the du'as as you leave the home, beginning and ending the day with halal income, although maybe little, but it was halal income. You see what I'm saying? Those are the things that our parents gave us. He said, when are we going to start giving our generations the things that we did enjoy, which was adab, which was tarbiyah, which was dhikr, which was du'a, which was a'mal. That is something that we need to start thinking about that our parents gave to us, are we doing an adequate job of passing it down to the next generation? SubhanAllah. Such deep things for all of us to start reflecting upon and to think that, is this really the most elite generation? Are we really, wallahi, have we reached the heights, the pinnacle of of humanity, the pinnacle of righteousness, the pinnacle of, of development? Absolutely not. As we look around the world, as we read social media, what's written on there, we realize that we have debased ourselves as humanity, right? We have lost our, our value, our, our, our akhlaq. Look at within this country. Look at the type of dialogue, man. Look at how people are probably speaking over the mask, over COVID, over vaccine, over this thing. We have lost sanity. Lost sanity, lost basic etiquette and akhlaq. Everyone's speaking about it. Everyone's speaking about it. They were just, I just read an article today talking about the Supreme Court justices. That it was known to be, these are like Muazzaz, mukarram, you know, people, honorable people. And one of the Chief Justices mentioned in one of their speeches some years ago, that the only reason that the Supreme Court's laws actually work, are enforceable, is because, because people have respect for us. Besides that, we cannot enforce anything. The fact that they respect us and respect our decisions is what is the main currency we have. And today I read an article about how they're just fighting with each other in a manner that hasn't been seen before. With, you know, openly, on camera. Subhanallah, this is just the type of world we're living in. Everywhere there's so much infighting and things like that. So akhlaq, stop thinking that you have a better generation than your mom and dad generation. Stop thinking that things are way better because we have more luxury, more comfort than our mom and dad had. Stop thinking that the smartphone brought so much ease that subhanallah, the old phones did not have. No. What we had then, we don't have now. Start thinking and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what your parents gave us, gave you and I, and then try our best to replicate that so this is a very big lesson here that our spouses and our children can be a huge means of us leaving deen let not that become one of us so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what did he want to do he wanted to give them a better son who was who would in the long run would be better now one thing I want to mention over here is that um, when a person hears about a losing of a child we say, oh my God, that is the worst thing possible. Isn't it? That's what the atheists talk about all the time. Where was God when, when, the, when this hospital got you know, hit or something like that? Yeah, that was God. Subhanallah. You know, that was God. But you don't know what's merciful. You have no idea. It's like, where was God, where was God when the doctor did that surgery on his heart and replaced his valves? Where was God? Right? He, where, he, where the thoracic surgeon came and cut open his chest. That was, what was that? It was painful. It was horrible. But there was hikmah in there. So, there's wisdom and hikmah behind what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. So, there are some ahadith that I would like to share here. Abu Hassan uh, says, I mentioned to Abu Hurairah, he says, Oh Abu Hurairah, two sons of mine have died. Can you please tell me about a hadith from Rasulullah <tutaybubhi> an that will make us feel a little you know, relieved over what has happened? We suffered, we lost two sons. So he said, Naam, I will tell you something. He says, He says, What's gonna happen? The the young children who die, they are called Da'amis al Jannah. Da'amis is the plural of Daamus. The Daamus the is the one who gets his nose into everything. A little kid gets in everywhere. Meaning these little kids will get into everyone's home, everyone's palace, everyone's dinner in Jannah. No one's gonna stop them. MashaAllah, they will be, they'll be roaming around paradise freely. Endless. They can go anywhere they want. Sit with the Sahaba, sit with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, SubhanAllah. Sit wherever they want. Go all over the place. Okay, al-Jannah. little kids. And then he says, they will get, one of them will grab his father. Grab his father by his by his shirt and the way I am grabbing your shirt Abu Hurairah did and then he said he will not let go of his father until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow him and his father both to enter Jannah All right and then Nabi sallallahu alayhi subhanallah mentioned in so many different hadith regarding the virtues of of these children who will become intercessors for their fathers and mothers who will be waiting to receive their parents in paradise subhanallah uh, so when you think about the benefits of this, you know, one of my classmates from Mozambique, one of the, taqdeer, you know, one of the great ulama out there, uh, you know, Allah saying great work. He just lost his three-year-old son in a swimming pool accident. Uh, I ask Allah to make him an ajr and dhukhr and a shafa'ah for him and for his parents and grant him and his wife sabr jamil. And all those who've lost their children, right? This is something what we see is that only Islam will give you something to look forward to. Think about that. Well, For the atheist, what's it? You lost your son, is dead. You say, Where's God? Tell me what about now? He's gone. Yeah, you don't believe in God. But you got what kind of horrible life this is. That afterwards, after this incident, also you got nothing to look forward to. Alhamdulillah, we got we have those who've lost their children. Maybe they can just bank on this. That Ya Allah I'm gonna make sabr on my child that I've lost. And just on the lieu of this, Allah Azza wa will grant them Jannah. Right? So there's يعني Islam is the greatest ni'mah we have, my friends. Every time I think about how Islam gives us answers to the most difficult situation we find ourselves in. Something to console our heart, something to console our soul, we have the answer in this beautiful deen of ours. So then Allah gave a much better child. What happened? According to some narrations, Allah Azza wa Jal then granted him this child who married again, who who became elderly and got married. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their generation gave them seven prophets. Seven prophets, one child was gone, and in lieu of that, you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought seven prophets in their generation. And as for the wall, it belonged to two orphan boys in the city. Okay, yati there were two boys and they were orphans, Madina, and they lived in the city. Beneath it was a treasure hidden for them. What was this treasure? Some have said obviously that okay, it was probably money, money for the kids. That their father had left behind before he died. And others have said that this was actually ilm, this was, this was knowledge that was left behind. What do you mean by knowledge? It was a loh. it was a plaque that was left behind there. And it, on that plaque, it was written the following. And let me read it and then translate it. All right, he says, Bismillah rahman rahim amazing is the person. Shocking is the situation of a person who believes in destiny, yet how can he despair? <laughs> Amazing. Shocking is the person who believes in destiny. Then how could he despair? When you believe in destiny, well, how do you lose hope? Number two. <laughs> Amazing is the person who believes that Allah is the sponsor of all of their sustenance and risk. Still, why would he consume himself in striving for more than he needs and in achieving what is redundant? Why does he become depressed and worried about his finances while he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken responsibility of it? Like I just said this earlier already. The heart works and the mind relaxes. That's how it's supposed to be. You never think that this is gonna, what's gonna happen. No, you're working. It's just like, you know, you're, you're peddling on a, on a uh, on a bike, on a stationary bike. Do you get scared you're gonna get, get hit a rock? Uh, you're gonna stumble? Like, what are you talking about? It's a stationary bike. You're not going anywhere, man. You're going round and round. Yes, you're exercising, you're, Michelle, you're, you're, your your beat's gone up, you're sweating, but you know that you, nothing's gonna harm you. Well, there you go. You're making effort for risk, but you know every single thing's already been carved out. We know whatever's meant to, to get us, we're gonna get it. Whatever's not meant for us, we're never gonna get it. Number three, عَجِبْتُ لِمَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِالْمَوْتِ كَيْفَ Amazing is the one, is the person who believes in death, yet he could remain arrogant and happy all the time, right? All the time, he is not just happy, there's nothing wrong with being happy. The issue is with being happy that will create heedlessness. You know what I'm saying? Heedlessness is that level of just excitement all the time, sugar happy, like just chilling all the time, not worried that subhanAllah, what am I doing? I just missed my salah, I just missed my dhikr. I didn't say salam to so and so, I didn't give sadaqah. That type of happiness is the problem. Next, عَجِبْتُ لِمَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِالْحِسَابِ كَيْفَ يَغْفَلُ Amazing is a person who believes in the reckoning of the hereafter, how could he still afford to be heedless? Last, وَعَجِبْتُ لِمَنْ يَعْرِفُ الدُّنْيَا وَتَقَلُّبَهَا بِأَهْلِهَا كَيْفَ يَطْمَئِنُ إِلَيْهَا Amazing and shocking is a person's situation who knows the world and how it continuously changes. One becomes a millionaire, one becomes a pauper overnight. Yet he decides to sit relaxed and content with its gathering. Meaning, why would you sit there? It's like you're holding onto a block of ice thinking that this is what you get. This is mashallah. I'm so happy I got a block of ice for the next 10 years. It's melting, my friend. It's, it's, it's not going to last till tomorrow morning. This is exactly how dunya is. If all you got is a block of ice, hey, what did you gather from the store for food? I got a whole grocery, store, you know, what you call a cart full of vegetables. I got a cart full of meat. I got a cart full of, you know, grains. What'd you get? I got a cart full of ice. Yeah. Why would you? And then you are happy. Oh, I look at this. Look how nice and shiny and white this mind this thing is. By tomorrow, it's all gone. Their fish and their chicken and their beef and their grains are all gonna last for one month. And you're unfortunately by tomorrow morning, you're gonna have literally nothing left. You're gonna wake up and say, Wait, what happened? Everything's gone. That's the thing. The one who, who has nothing saved up in his account besides money. And he didn't pass down to his kids anything besides money. Is a fool like this. Who's really at the end of it is gonna lose everything. And the last line was, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. There's no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So some say that this is what the LoH was written. This was written in that um, tablet and that was placed in there. Others have said that it was actually wealth, it was, it was silver and gold that the father had left behind for his uh, uh, children. And then Allah Azza says, kana masaliha." This is the key thing that I want to do, focus on, right? Which I spoke about previously, but now again. Now their father was a righteous man. Now their father was a righteous man. I'm going to come back to this at the end. So your Lord intended to both reach full maturity. Now, Ashuddahuma doesn't just mean to become baligh and to become mature, like 14, 15. Ashuddahuma means that you're actually now so strong that you can defend yourself. Because these are the type of people. They don't give water. They don't give food. They don't let you stay. And now you go try to go bring the wealth out of the, under the ground. They're not going to let you go with that. They're going to attack them. So we needed their children to become physically and mentally strong enough to defend their treasure chest. What's so interesting over here, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired Nabi Khadir to build the wall in such a manner, with such precision, based on the knowledge he had, that in how many years that these boys will become physically and emotionally mature, that at that time, then this wall needs to start falling once again. And, when, and, and then that it will uncover the hidden treasure beneath it. So this is the type of precision, you know, that they built this wall with. <laughs> that in that specific given time, the wall needs to start breaking, up, breaking apart again. This is what some of the ulama have written in the And then they will bring forth the treasures for themselves. مِنْ رَبِّكْ as a, more, as a mercy from your Lord. Moreover, I did not do any of this out of my own authority. What was before? تَسْطَطِعُ Exactly. What is istata'a? means capacity. Tasti' sabra. This is the interpretation of those deeds for which you could not be patient. So I had told you, I'll tell you the difference between this. tastati I actually get confused when I'm reciting too. So now I'll remember this too and many, all of us who recite in Hafat can also remember this. tastati comes with a ta, the first one. Pick More words means more meaning. Kafratul ma'ani. Mabani tadull ala kafratul ma'ani. More letters means greater meaning. So tastati means there's more difficulty in handling it. When Musa did not have the answers, السلام, it was really hard for him to swallow all of that what he saw. So one extra letter was added there. Tastatr. You have no capacity to handle this. And now Khadir, after he explains it, he says, that is the interpretation of what you are not able to be patient about. But now already, his level of patience has increased, his anxiety has decreased. So hence, the decrease of one letter. And this is interesting, And you'll find this explanation in many verses of the Qur'an. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring more words uh, in certain places to give an added extra meaning. So here we have the uh, eloquence of Prophet Khadr. What do we see here? Is that the respect and the adab he has with Allah. Let's look at that. That when we are dealing with Allah we want to make sure that we make nisbah and attribute only goodness to Him. Although everything happens with the will of Allah, We do not attribute evil towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Although no evil can happen without His permission. Because no evil is actually purely evil. Behind everything that is apparently evil, there is something hidden about it. You understand what I said? There's no such thing as what? Pure evil. Behind that pure evil, there is some hidden wisdom that you and I might not be aware of. So we see this in the incident of Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam. He says, uh, He says, Who is... um, Allah, is, he, is it Ibrahim? Yes? All right? Ibrahim asked, he says, When I fall ill, who's Allah? The father asks, people ask, Who's Allah? You want to know who Allah is? When I fall ill, he, got, he cures me. All right? He is the one who gives me death, will give me death, and then he'll give me life. And he's the one I have hoped that he will forgive me. So when it comes to giving food and drink, life and death, forgiveness, it's all been attributed towards Allah. When it comes to even granting shifa, it's attributed to Allah. But when it comes to falling ill, what does he say? When I fall ill. He could have said, when Allah makes me sick, is also the one who gives me shifa. He didn't say it like that. He said, وَإِذَا When I fall ill, myself. That is the etiquette with Allah Azza wa And we see the same thing here with Nabi Khadir, that when it comes to the good things, for example, here is a good thing that Allah wanted to have mercy on these two boys and wanted them. So he's, Your Lord wanted them to, to reach uh, maturity before, they get, before the wall collapses and they get it. An Your Lord wanted to change them, replace the son with a more Obedient son, all right. Um, and then look here. I intended to break the ship and cause a imp- impairment, impediment, uh, cause, uh, impair the ship. He attributed it to who? To himself. He didn't say arad. The Rabuka and your your Lord wanted to bring, make a hole in the ship. Okay, so that's that's something we learned from the adab of Khadr. And another thing we learned is the tawadu and the humility of Nabi Khadr. He says, وَمَا fa'altu an amri." I didn't do any of these things out of my own authority. Nabi Musa, you and I will report to the same Allah. Right? Your knowledge, my knowledge comes from the same Allah. I'm not greater than you in any way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered me to do it and that's why I report to Him, I'm doing that. So this you see, is the humility and humbleness of Nabi Khadr. And what this, was, what this story, generally, yani, this beautiful story can be summed up is, is in the importance of believing believing in qada' and qadar. Right? The believing in qada' and qadar, that whatever is meant to happen, will happen. Every good, every, every apparent evil, there is a hidden wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we just do not understand. And remember, Nabi Musa could not understand the wisdom of what was going on. So do not expect yourself to be able to understand the wisdom behind things that are going wrong in your life. Why me? Why? Why? I want to get closer to Allah. Why do I keep on sleeping? Why do I keep on falling? Why can't I find a job? Why can't I find a spouse? Why can't I get, you know, get my kids into this? Why is my child not being able being cured from this sickness? SubhanAllah. On and on and on and on. All these questions, we don't have answers. We don't have answers. We have to just have this trust that there must be some hidden uh, benefit that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. The Quran says in the Quran, and the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, نِعْمَهُ wa وَبَاطِنَةٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers upon you His blessings, apparent and hidden. Allah showers upon you. niamahu wa Allah showers upon you His blessings, apparent and hidden. So the ulama mention apparent hidden, you all know what that is, health, iman, wealth, family, all that. And what is hidden blessings? What's hidden blessings? Difficulties difficulties for a believer is what you call hidden blessings. And uh, you've heard me say this probably many times, that the word in Arabic for blessing is, one of the word for gift in Arabic is uh, uh, manaha, right? Minha, minha is, means a gift. Some, sometimes people name their daughters minha as well, I think so. Minha, meem nunha, ta means a gift. Meem ha minha, gift. And uh, just switch the noon and the ha, and it becomes mihna. And mihna means challenge and difficulty. So they say, al-minhatu, al-mihnatu, minhatun khafiyya. That a challenge, a difficulty, is a hidden gift from Allah. That's all it is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this book that we do here in Team Fajr, beautiful book, right? 40 wisdoms. Bring it here. bring that book. For, for, 40 wisdoms behind, uh, you know, difficulty. That It's something I, if you, I would re- recommend. If you haven't heard the, uh, you can get this book from downstairs. Hidden blessings, wabashir as sabirin, right? Forty wisdoms behind calamities, difficulties, trials, and tribulations. Uh, uh, MashaAllah. such a beautiful book. I, I benefit from this on, on, on uh, Saturday mornings when we go over it, and it's recordings of it are available also online. But you know, definitely get this book. It's a great book for us too because all of us are going through some type of challenge. So remember this. A bless a difficulty is a hidden gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the gist of the story of Musa in Khadir to believe in this, to believe in Qadr, to believe in the benefit of whatever is happening around us. Okay, so that that is there. Now I want to end with one final note here. Abu Huma This is such an important point that ulama write on. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he didn't have to say this, but he's every single reason, every single a portion of an ayah that's in the Quran is there for a very strong reason. Allah says there was orphans and they had some wealth or something hidden under uh, this uh, wall and Musa and Khadr came and fixed it because for the orphans. That's that's a good enough story for me, right? You know, out of the care for orphans, this is what's happening. But Allah added something here. He said there weren't just any orphans. There were orphans whose father was pious. And so this is the point the scholars write extensively about. That the piety of the parents is one of the greatest gifts to the children. Even if we die early, and if we leave them as little orphans. But the piety of the parents will not go to waste. It's amazing, subhanAllah, what they have written on this, on this point over here. Um, I'm going to share with you some, some of these things. And what the tabi'een have written. And the tabi'a tabi'een. I already shared with you Abdul Aziz's story. I want to share with you some other stories. Muhammad ibn Munkadir, he says, one of the great, great, great pious awliya of the past, he says, Oh, my dear son, I swear by Allah, he tells to his son, Indeed, I increase the length of my prayers. I increase the quality of my prayers, desiring that you become righteous. Meaning, if I make my prayers longer and more beautiful, And if I recite Qur'an longer and more beautiful, if I do dhikr extensively, if I give sadaqah in larger amounts, what is the goal? That my children will become righteous and pious. The more pious I become, the more righteous they will become. This is one, you know, it's not just about earning the money that we're giving to the kids, it's about earning the hasanat. Earn the hasanat and gift that to your kids. That today I read, I did 1,000 salawat, 1,000 istighfar, And I did this out of the love for my one daughter, one son. And this is for this one, this is for this one. As you want to gift them a gift card, you want to give them a thousand dollar gift card, you want to give them something for their birthday, subhanallah, gift them, okay, now no one's saying don't do that because I'm not sure how much they're going to understand when you say I'm gifting you, you know, one thousand salawat on their birthday, right? Or one thousand salawat on their graduation day. Give that and also give something else, give them together. I was telling my children, subhanAllah, about, uh, you know, my, my own experience. I remember dad would come back, father would come back from trips. And I was saying, I was the youngest one, so it's, you know, be still awake while the older ones would be sleeping. And I, I just remember that one incident, I was telling the kids, that, subhanAllah, you know, I remember, like my children asked me to save me every time I entered home, Baba, what did you bring? Candy, chocolate, this, that, right? This is a normal thing when you come from a trip. So I remember once, I don't know sure share where he was coming from, and I asked him, what did you bring? He said, I brought something for you. I said, what, did, what, what is it? And I remember him clearly saying, I brought lots of dua for you. Right? So this is something that yani, we need to uh, share with our children. That this is something I'm doing for you. I'm praying turaqat rekats, al for you. I'm fasting on a Monday or Thursday for you. I'm giving sadaq. I just went to the masjid and donated X amount. Guess what? For you. And here you go. Here's your gift. Here's your $10 gift or $20 gift, whatever else. Or here's your dinner. But on top of that, I gave sadaq a hundred dollars. That's why whenever we give sadaq in the masjid or anywhere else, make niya on behalf of our spouses, on behalf of our children. That, Ya yeah Allah, through the barakah of the sadaqah, through the barakah of the dhikr, through the barakah of me sitting here for the past hour and a half in the masjid, allow my children to become righteous. Right? This is what, what is something we need to start thinking about. What will... And this is the, uh, the hard and fast rule. Muhammad, uh, 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 Abdullah ibn Mubarak. All of us have probably by now have heard of Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Rahmatullahi alayhi. The Ustad of Imam Bukhari. Right and, uh, and, and the student, Imam Hanifa, one of the, the most agreed upon scholar of hadith that everyone says he's untouchable. There's no two opinions about him. Interesting story. His father was a slave. He used to work in a garden somewhere. One day, the master told the slave that, go get me some pomegranates. And give me, a, obviously, a nice pomegranate, a good, sweet-tasting pomegranate. So he went and brought a bunch of pomegranates. When he the master cut it open and started eating every single one of them was bitter He got mad at the slave and he said I told you to bring me a sweet one. What are you doing here? Why did you bring me a bunch of bitter? pomegranates So then subhanallah the this 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 father of the told The owner of the garden master Did you ever even give me permission for me to taste? How would I even know which one is sweet and which was bitter? I don't know which what what type of fruits we have in this garden. So he looked at him in disbelief and he said, You are working in my garden for so many years. You're telling me you don't know what's a sweet one, which trees and which times which fruit is sweet and which one's bitter and which one's sour? He says, No, I don't. He couldn't believe him. He wouldn't ask the other slaves, ask the neighbors. They said, We know this slave who's been working for years. It's true. He never has eaten a single fruit all these years has been working here. Because he never had explicit permission from you, the master was shocked. He said, "You know what? I free you for the sake of Allah, and I have a daughter. I want to marry you." He said, uh, "What are you? What are you? You know, we, wait. Let's hold on. What are you looking for?" He says, As for the," he said this. He says, "For the Yahud, they look for wealth. Is that what you're looking for?" He said, "For the Christians, they look for the the Nasara. They look more for beauty, and the believers, they look for taqwa." then he said well guess what there's no one I know in this world at the moment who's got more taqwa than you so definitely I want my daughter to get married to you he got married and Allah blessed him with Abdullah ibn Mubarak right, who we can have a whole seminar on right? what happened the piety prior to marriage and in marriage is what led to this beautiful child being born Muhammad ibn Ismail al-Bukhari right, mentioned about him as well that his father says that not, not, It never happened once that I would enter the home and, you know, would allow any type of haram. I would allow any type of haram food or even a haram morsel to enter my home. And you see where this is happening. And Abu, Abu al-Ma'ali al-Juwaini, ajeeb a story about him. He used to earn money through writing books because they didn't have publishing houses then, right? They would write books. He uh, would write it, copies, manuscripts, copy off of a manuscript, and he would earn his money. And he would spend this money, hard work of writing, writing, writing. He'd take that money and spend it on his wife and his young child that was being nursed by that ma- mother, his wife. And then he told his wife, وَقَدْ أَوْصَى زوجته, She told her that make sure you do not any- allow anyone else to nurse this child. He entered his home once and he saw that one of the neighbors had taken his baby. And he ended up nursing a little bit. She nursed him a little bit. As soon as he saw this, he took that child and he put his finger in his mouth he kept on doing this kept on doing it until that young baby vomited out everything that he had drunk. وَهُوَ and then he began to say يَسْهَلُ عَلَيَّ أَنْ يَمُوتَ وَلَا يَفْسُدُ طَبْعُهُ يَشْرَبُ غَيْرَ أُمِّهِ he said it's easier for me to see my child die with a straight proper nature and good tabi'ah and good iman than him drinking the mother of someone else besides his mother. Drinking the milk of someone else besides his mother. Meaning, I know his mother. I, she is my wife. That what milk goes into this child is coming from a righteous, pious wife. And so I know what fuel I'm putting into this child. I do not trust anyone else's milk. Subhanallah, look at how protective we are over a $60,000 car, a $40,000 car. Premium or ultimate gas. Well, oh, brother, we can't do anything else. For something as like this, one car accident within 30 seconds is gone. Finish. What about that child? How much thinking should go into what gasoline is being fed into that? That's all of us. Our food is our gas. That's a risk. Whatever goes in is what's gonna come out. Meaning, the type of halal food that goes into our body is exactly what will translate into good actions. The Quran says that, O Prophets, Eat halal And then do good deeds. And do good deeds. Because eating of pure halal food is what leads to the doing of good deeds. So this is I mean, there are many more stories on this. But the point what I'm trying to say is that when we talk about, you know, someone just mentioned this to me recently, said we talk about where are the, where are the mashayikh, where are the ulama? We need amazing girls. We need female leadership. We need male leadership. We need, where's the masajid being run by? Who is this being run by? Where's the Muslims gonna stand up and speak for our rights? And all that, all that stuff. Brother and sister, these type of leadership, these type of leaders, these type of generals, these type of judges, these type of of God-conscious physicians, God-conscious lawyers, God-conscious journalists, God-conscious programmers are not going to fall from the sky. They're going to come from righteous, pious mothers and fathers. So before we start trying to bring these type of leadership and amazing people in the world, we have to first become amazing moms and dads. Until we don't become amazing moms and dads, don't have any hope for the future it's gonna be as bleak as it is now. If we change, those of us who are listening right now, if we change, if I change, and this is to me what I'm saying, whatever I'm telling you if we change and we say khalas from now, I have to become muttaqi. Then we can have some hope for our own kids. But if we ourselves are so lax in our, in our actions and our a'mal, you know how many fathers are driving 30, 40 minutes to go drop them off in Islamic school, Sunday school, maktab, this Quran teacher, this Arabic teacher? For what? You're spending thousands of dollars and hours of, of your traffic time to drop off this kid here and this hip school and that hip school and this program and that program and this competition and that competition. But none of this is really gonna matter. What is the thing that's gonna matter before that is our own piety. That's what goes in. Just like our genes have been sent to our kids. We know that. You can't escape from that. Our kids have our genes. We have our parents' genes. Similarly, the piety of ours is what's gonna go down. And that's why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, وسلم, when you're getting married, get married in a righteous, pious vein. Erk means vein. Look for a pious lineage. Look for a pious lineage. Look at the mother. Don't look at just the daughter. Look at the mother, grandmother if she's alive. Khala, sister, mom, sisters. Look at the whole family before you choose the wife. And similarly, of course, for the boy. Look at the whole family. What type of father? What type of mother? What type of siblings? Is there deen in this house or not? Don't just say, oh, he seems to be pious or she seems to be pious. We need to know where they're coming from. Because guess what, they all have got the same genes. They all have the same genes. It might be dormant in some, it might not be dormant in the others, but the key thing is if we want to have righteous children, I'll end with this, right, inshallah, is the story of Umar al-Khattab. Umar al-Khattab with a child was oppressing his dad, a son was oppressing his dad. When he came to Umar Allah Umar said, in my khilafah, how dare can someone have the audacity to oppress their father while I'm alive? Are you crazy? This is happening while I'm alive. Bring my dura, bring my whip. He told the son, come over here. So he said, before you whip me, can I speak? He said, yes. He said, does my father is the only one who has rights upon me? What about me? I don't have any rights upon my father. He said, of course you do. This is a two-way street. We have rights for one another. He said, what are my rights? Well, your right is that your father should have married a good mother for you. Uh-oh. He said, no, my, my mother unfortunately is, is, is such and such a slave who has absolutely no concept of deen or anything. Number two, he should have given you a proper name, which has a good meaning. Not that you just open up Google and f- search for the most weirdest name. But I mean, I'm telling you, the phone calls I receive, I straight up say, bye, I don't know. I've been studying Arabic for 10, 12 years, 15, whatever. I never heard of this word. I'm gonna to go check up in a dictionary. I'll go check it up. I am like, okay, this is what the dictionary says. Never heard of it, never my mom, you know, no one heard of it. But if, you know, why are you keeping these weird names? Just because it, Ajeeb it needs to sound, you know, like we wanna have a pink look or a bright green looking car or whatever. We wanna be different. So khalas, now we need to have a different name. But look at what the sahaba's names are. Look at the anbiya's name. That's what we should stick to. Not just random weird stuff. Because it has an effect. It has an effect. You name your child Abu Bakr with the of that he wants to become. You should become like Abu Bakr. Inshallah, you will see the virtues of Abu Bakr. And the, and the qualities of Abu Bakr. And Uthman, and Ali, and Abu Ubaidah. And everyone else in our, in our children, Inshallah. So he said, no, he gave me a horrible name. Third thing. He should have given you an Islamic upbringing when you're a little kid. My dad never taught me anything about the deen. So he tells the father, that before he oppressed you, you oppressed him. Basically, you should be the one who should be whipped. Because you did all three mistakes. You never fulfilled any of those things. So all the youth who are sitting here listening to me, this is, let's not make this mistake on our children. Don't oppress your little ones. You might have little kids in the next 10 years, five years, whatever. For Allah's sake, make sure you marry in the right place. Because you marry a wrong person, like I tell the boys who come for advice, don't marry a, or Don't look at her first as a wife. Look at her as your mother of your children. Whatever, if she said, oh, she's got all this, and I'm telling the girls as well, oh, he's got all these bad qualities, but still he's attractive. Or she's got all this bad thing, but she, you know, I like her smile. But somehow, imagine your dad and mom did that to you. Imagine you found out that your mom's had all this horrible life before, before marriage, even after marriage. But just because of her looks, your dad married her. How horrible you'd feel if you found out this was her horrible history. Your dad and mom never made mistakes like that. They didn't go just searching on, on just looks and they picked up anyone off the street. SubhanAllah, we all have respectable parents, alhamdulillah, who are, come with beautiful characteristics, qualities, and they gave us all that. So whatever your parents did for you, you need to do the same thing for your kids. And that is ensure that you choose a right person that you marry into. Based on the basis of deen, on the basis of deen, on the basis of deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a reality for all of us. This is a very tough and heavy subject that we spoke about today that is extremely relevant to me and to all of us over here. I pray to Allah, Almighty Allah, that He makes all the fathers and mothers who are currently fathers and mothers and the future fathers and mothers to, to truly take this to heart, what we spoke about. And allow us to become salih. To become pious and righteous, and allow this for uh, allow us to become extremely exemplary examples for our kids. Allow us to do such good deeds that will be passed down to our children and through our barakah. And of the good deeds that we do, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our generations to come. We are leaving them in a very uncertain world with the rise of everything. Every crazy fitna is starting up right now. We don't know what the next 20 years is gonna bring. It's unbelievable. What these past 20 years, how the world has changed, what the next 20 years, 30, 50 years is gonna look like, we have no idea. The thing that we can hope to save them with my beloved friends is good deeds muhammad you know and this is what one of the useful ulama said that through the baraka of the piousness and the sorry the righteousness of the father allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects the children and the children's children and the children's children to the extent that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects the houses of their children through the piety of the elders so we have no option. We really, if you care about your generations, we need to for ourselves start focusing on our own piety. Start, stop speaking. For the elders, instead of just saying the youth, the youth, the youth, let's worry about ourselves, number one. I'm not saying no worry about the youth. But let's worry about ourselves along with the youth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring these words, uh, in reality to these words in my life and your life. Amin, Al alameen. We'll make the uh, vicar now, inshallah, and um, in short dua, uh, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, um, Quick announcements as well before you leave, enjoy the tea and the, uh, and the biscuits out there. And additionally, um, there are students there who are selling the, uh, the uh, banquet tickets. Please, if you have not purchased the banquet t- tickets for a family, please do so. Even if you're not able to attend, this will be regarded as a donation to the masjid. February 19th is the date, inshallah, at Shalimar. Kindly do purchase your tickets tonight on the way out. And lastly, is that we have an amazing new program starting which was in the works for the past two years. Then COVID came and things got canceled. New program, new weekly program starting, inshallah, this Friday night. And that's gonna happen every Friday night, family night at Darussalam with Mufti bin Hajjuddin Ahmad. And he will be doing lessons from Sahih al-Bukhari. So that is something not to be missed. Inshallah, it will be a whole different flavor. And will be, you will, inshallah, really enjoy it. Share this with your family and friends. Friday night, starting this Friday after 7.30, Rishah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La illallah La ilaha illallah Laila ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah Laila ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah Laila ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah Laila, 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 محمد الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم sallallahu was muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam who are there, sallallahu sell the law who are there. sallallahu was seldom. Sallallahu the law who are there, Mohammed, Sallallahu the law who are there. أستغفر الله، استغفر 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 الله، Astaghfirullah! firullah, Stone Firullah, Stell firulla, Stone Firullah, Stell firullah Stone firullah, Stell firullah, Stone Firullah, A stell firullah, Stone firullah, We have a request for a dua from one of our brothers who's present here. Havist Tawfiq is elder Ronak Uthman is in sick in Minnesota is with covid and all those other brothers and sisters from our community who have who themselves have, are sick or the children are sick let us inshallah make dua for shifa for all of them Allah ارحم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد بارك وسلم ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واصرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على امم الكافرين ربنا افرغ علينا الصبره وتوفنا مسلمين اللهم and المسلمين الله العظيم رب نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم or the المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم رب العظيم رب العظيم رب وامر المسلمين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم انصر بتقوى وتقى والعفاف والغنى سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين امين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته